banded together from remote galaxies are 13 of the most sinister villains of all time, the Legion of Doom. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Only one group dares to challenge this intergalactic threat, the Super Friends. Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the Challenge of the Super Friends. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 107 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and on this episode I'm going to begin my coverage of what I'm going to call Season 3 of Super Friends. This is the season commonly referred to as Challenge of the Super Friends, and... This is the season that, that people look back most fondly upon. This is the season that finally introduces the Legion of Doom, those 13 DC comic supervillains which people have long awaited seeing challenge the Super Friends on television. And when people think of the Super Friends in general, it's really the challenge of the Super Friends what's most memorable and what they look back, like I said, most fondly on. What most people remember about this show was the Legion of Doom and its uh, headquarters in the... Uh, Louisiana Bayou Swamp, and I think when people look back on this show, they remember all the Fourth World stuff that we're going to get to later in the early 80s. This season aired from September of 1978, right up until the end of 1978, right up until the premiere of, uh, and a little bit beyond the premiere, of Superman the movie, which premiered in December of 1978. So, looking back on it, you can really think that it's easy to believe that 1978 was a great year for the Super Friends, and... A lot of people will say the best. And it was a great year for DC Comics properties in general. Superman the movie will later become a smash hit at the box office at the end of the year. The uh, Wonder Woman TV show with Linda Carter was going on around the same time. This was the third and final season on CBS Friday Nights. And there were you know, toys out and merchandise of not only Superman and Wonder Woman, but also Batman, Robin, Aquaman, and Shazam. So things were heating up in the marketplaces for the DC Comics superheroes. Most of the Super Friends voiceover cast returned for this hour, with the exception of Norman Alden. Alden was interviewed uh, by Rob Kelly uh, running the Aquaman Shrine and stated that he was let go and succeeded by Bill Calloway. This incarnation still aired in in a one-hour time block at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. From 9 to 9.30 was called New Super Friends, and this featured stories, which was basically the uh, same roster as the... uh, all new Super Friends Hour Season 2, at least the main roster in the main shorts. And the 9.30 a.m. time slot from 9.30 till 10, that was called The Challenge of the Super Friends, and that had the extended Justice League roster, which included the core Super Friends, not so much the Wonder Twins, but also staple Justice Leaguers like The Flash, Hawkman, Green Lantern, and it also added some of the guest stars from the all new Super Friends Hour, including like characters like the Apache Chief, Black Vulcan, Samurai and others. So, I'll talk a little bit about the uh, new Super Friends segment before I uh, move on. Hanna-Barbera animated 16 episodes of new Super Friends, like I mentioned before, featuring the established core group, which was the original five heroes who made up the team. Superman, Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, those were the core five, and that included their Exorian trainees, Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins, along with their space monkey, Gleek. These episodes, like I mentioned, aired first before Challenger episodes to kind of serve up as a lead-in to the headline to kind of warm up the viewers for the uh, for the main event, which was the Challenge of the Super Friends. Now, the new Super Friends series is different from what we consider the main episodes of the all-new Super Friends Hour, in which it was less interested in delivering uh, moral messages like the first two seasons were and, and what we're going to see, especially in these two episodes that I'm covering this week. It's more cosmic and science fiction, journeying into space to battle villains of other worlds, as well as on Earth. And there will be plenty of mutations and mind control for the heroes to endure this season. It definitely appears as though we're moving a little bit further away from the point where the superheroes aren't allowed to face villains. You know, we're definitely moving away from the the scientists with good intentions unwittingly causing trouble. So, 
we're going to see, like a, like we started to see at the end of season two, we're going to start to see more villainous plots. You'll see more villains and uh, a little bit less of accidental bad guys. And like I said, that'll take up the first segment. And the way I'm going to do these episodes, I'm going to continue covering them by original broadcast date in the sense that when I move into the next segment, I'll do the new Super Friends episode first, and then the Challenge of the Super Friends episode after that. Then we'll do our podcast for more break, and then we'll come back with the next week's hour, the new Super Friends, and then the Challenge of the Super Friends. Now, I'm not going to do a block of new Super Friends and then a block of Challenge. I'm going to run through these episodes in the order in which they originally aired. So, these episodes were later put back in, into syndication, shown using the opening credits of the all-new Super Friends Hour and the clothes from the Challenge series, which is kind of what the files I'm watching are doing. I am definitely seeing them with the all-new Super Friends Hour opening. But as you heard when I started this episode, I am going to use the Challenge of the Super Friends opening throughout, because that's really the main event. These just happen to be new episodes that ran kind of as companions. Now, as far as the Challenge of the Super Friends goes, this was also 16 episodes, and this comes closest to the comic books of any uh, than any uh, Super Friends series before or since. And I'm just referring to Super Friends, I'm not referring to the... Uh, any of the Justice League animated stuff that came later. I mean, not only did Challenge have the Justice League and refer to it as the Justice League on a fairly regular basis, at least at first, it was also the first Super Friends series to feature DC supervillains from the comics. The only DC supervillain we saw was the Gentleman Ghost in the final episode of the all-new Super Friends Hour. We saw kind of a half-baked Black Manta in the character called Manta in one of the Season 2 episodes. But here we're going to see actual DC comic supervillains, including Black Manta. And this series has 13 of them together as an alliance called the Legion of Doom, which is chaired by uh, Superman's archenemy, Lex Luthor. From Superman's rogues gallery, it also has Brainiac, Toyman, and Bizarro. Toyman kind of looks kind of weird. He kind of looks like a weird uh, court jester, almost like a male Harley Quinn, so to speak. Features Batman foes like the Riddler and Scarecrow. As I recall, there was some... There's nothing written about it here, but there was... Some rights issues with the Batman villains, and a lot of the Batman villains were tied up with the uh, Filmation Batman series that was being shown, I believe, on NBC at the time. So, this is why you're not going to see characters like the Joker or the Penguin or characters of, or Catwoman, characters of that ilk, on this show. They're using the Riddler and the Scarecrow, which I'm kind of surprised by the Riddler being here. Because I would think that the uh, 66 series really put Riddler in a high-profile position. Far more than the Scarecrow. Maybe uh, the fact that the Riddler can be difficult to write is kind of what scared Filmation away from using the Riddler, hence his availability here. In the episodes I've watched so far, the Riddler has not done much. So the Legion of Doom dwelled in the Murky Swamp and launched their attacks for a global conquest from their sinister-looking swamp-based mechanical flying headquarters, which is called the Hall of Doom. The uh, note here that I found on uh, the Super Friends wiki says that the uh, Hall of Doom kind of resembles... Darth Vader's helmet, and now that I see that, I kind of can't unsee it. So, it is uh, quite the contrast with uh, Super Friends' uh, gleaming Hall of Justice. And these episodes seem to kind of shift the point of view a little bit, as they seem to start, instead of starting with the Super Friends at the Hall of Justice, they really start with the Legion of Doom at the Hall of Doom, launching their plot to destroy the Super Friends. And the Super Friends themselves consisted of 11 Justice League superheroes. No team tag-alongs outside of Robin or pet comic reliefs appeared on the show. Although when Luthor introduces the Riddler, he fans out a set of cards with the picture of Gleek, Zan, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Robin, Batman, Superman on them, and then he burns them. Obviously, Gleek and Zan, part of the Wonder Twins, do not appear in Challenge of the Super Friends, although they will be heavily prominent in the new Super Friends episodes. And this hour was actually so popular that an extra 30 minutes of reruns was added in 1979, extending the show to uh, 30 mi- to 90 minutes. The all-new Super Friends Hour, the main episodes, were used to fill in that extra half-hour time slot. Now, as far as the cast for this show, the narrator, which is always uncredited, was voiced by William Woodson. And William Woodson is actually the narrator that's famous for the Meanwhile at the Hall of Justice that everybody seems to want to credit to uh, Ted Knight. So I'm going to say it here. Those of you saying that's Ted Knight, it's not. It's William Woodson. Ted Knight only narrated the first season in which it was called the Hall of the Justice League. And there was very little 
of the famous Meanwhile at the Hall of Justice in Season 1. So, fun note there. The Meanwhile at the Hall of Justice is not Ted Knight. It is actually William Woodson. Now, the Super Friend cast, like I mentioned, is, for the most part, familiar to us. Superman is voiced by Danny Dark. Batman is voiced by Olin Sewell. Robin is voiced by Casey Kasem. Aquaman is voiced by Bill Calloway. Taking over for Nor- Norman Alden, that is the only character change that I know of. Wonder Woman is continued to be voiced by Sharon Farnan. Hawkman is voiced by Jack Angel. Green Lantern is voiced by Michael Rye. Black Vulcan is voiced by Buster Jones. Samurai voiced by Jack Angel. Apache Chief is voiced by Michael Rye. The F- and The Flash is voiced by Jack Angel. As far as the Legion of Doom is concerned, Lex Luthor is voiced by Stan Jones. Brainiac is voiced by Ted Cassidy, as is Black Manta. Vic Perrin voices Sinestro. Marlene Aragon voices Cheetah. Gil- Gorilla Grodd is voiced by Stanley Ralph Ross. Dick Ryle voices Captain Cold. Don Me- Messick is Scarecrow. Frank Welker is Toy Man. Jimmy Weldon will voice Solomon Grundy. Michael Bell voices the Riddler. Giganta is voiced by Ruth Foreman. And Bizarro is voiced by Bill Calloway, which is very interesting. Bizarro is voiced by the Aquaman actor, and you would think it would be a much more natural fit for Bizarro to be voiced by Danny Dark, but that is not the case. So, with all that out of the way, no feedback this week, just take up too much time. I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, then I'm going to come up, come back with the new Super Friends episode, Rokan Enemy from Space, and the challenge of the Super Friends episode, Wanted the Super Friends. Hang around, folks. Hey everyone, I'm Michael Bailey. And I'm Jeffrey Taylor. You might remember us from such show as From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Whatever happened to that show? Well, it went away and now it's back. We're back? That's right, after taking a year off and having a preview episode on April 1st, all new episodes of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast will be available for download or subscription on your favorite podcatcher starting on May 30th, 2018. We have a lot to talk about right away, like the aftermath of the death of Clark Kent... The end of Season 2 of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. All of the Superman-related annuals under the Year One banner. Superman v. Aliens, dawn of a really good crossover. And so much more as we continue through the triangle-numbered books and the related books for the second half of 1995 as we gear up for that line-wide crossover, Underworld Unleashed. Starring the newly revived Lex Luthor and the Superman crossover, The Trial of Superman. And right around the corner, there's a wedding and a major change for both the costume and powers of the Man of Steel. There's a wedding? Who's getting married? Plus, the side titles, miniseries, and one-shots that we've been really excited to tackle. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Covering the post-crisis on Infinite Earths era of Superman. New episodes drop on Thursdays, mostly. Unless they don't, but there's usually a very good excuse. Show notes, images from the comics covered, and back episodes can be found at www.fortressofbailytude.com. Alright, welcome back, folks. All the episodes in this segment had an original broadcast date of September 9th, 1978, and I'm going to lead off with... The new Super Friends episode, Rokan, Enemy from Space. And this particular synopsis is brought to you by the Super Friends Wiki. A pterodactyl-like beast devastates the town and the Super Friends give chase. When even Superman fails to stop it, they realize they have a fight on their hands. Great Scott! What on earth is it? I can answer that, Batman. It's a prehistoric beast called Rokan from my home planet, Krypton. It was thought to be extinct for a million years, but my guess is that the explosion of Krypton just after I left freed the beast from the polar ice camp. Then it's probably been roaming the galaxy for years looking for a place to live. I suggest we convince it that this isn't the place. Come on! To make matters worse, she lays eggs that soon hatch. 
Batman and Robin respond when skiers are attacked by strange creatures. In reality, baby Rokans have just hatched. Realizing the world will be destroyed by an entire flock of Rokans, the Super Friends desperately consult their computer for a solution, and it tells them kryptonite can affect Rokan. So far, nothing we've done has even slowed down Rokan. Even now, it's somewhere over Japan creating terrible typhoons. There seems to be no way to stop it. It's stronger than I am, and the only thing that can harm me is... Kryptonite! Why didn't I think of it before? Holy brainstorms, of course! If Rokan is from Krypton, then it would be as vulnerable to Kryptonite as Superman. We can find the Kryptonite asteroid in space and tow it back to Earth. I'll plot the statistics on the computer. Calculations completed, Batman. A three billion ton asteroid of pure Kryptonite will be sufficient. However, secondary calculations confirm that even with the lead shieldings of the Hall of Justice, this amount of pure kryptonite will have an 83% chance of being fatal to Superman. We'll have to forget the kryptonite. We can't risk Superman's life. Wrong, Jaina. We decide the matter the same way the Super Friends decide any matter of importance. The greatest good to the greatest number of people. Use the kryptonite. Right, Superman. Aquaman and I will take the invisible jet and get the kryptonite asteroid. Zan, Jaina, stay by the monitor. The rest of us will head for Japan to slow down Rokan. Wonder Woman and Aquaman leave to find a big enough chunk of kryptonite, while the others battle Rokan and its children. Superman heads to the Hall of Justice to wait things out when they return with the kryptonite. Rokan flees inside a volcano, but they drop the kryptonite down after her, causing it to erupt and blow the kryptonite into space. Rokan and her children flee the Earth. Nice going, Wonder Woman. Another few minutes and I think Superman would have been finished. No need to trouble yourself over me, Jaina. Right. With Rokan gone and the kryptonite back where it came from, there's nothing to worry about. What you worrying about, Super Sis? We superheroes know how to take care of ourselves. Oh no! Rokan is back! <laughs> yes, sir, Wonder Brother. You sure know how to take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is basically the Super Friends fighting a giant space monster, which is what you would expect from a comic book. You know, plenty of space monsters flying around the comic books. It's, and the Rokan basically looks like this flying purple dragon that's happening its way to Earth, and it kicks up quite a windstorm in New England. So everyone sees this monster and either runs away or holds onto brick walls for dear life. It's basically destroying the town and eating the trees, and you get a good idea for how big this thing is by the fact that it steps on a house and crushes it. Now everyone at the, at the Hall of Justice is bored, so we get an extended sequence of Gleek messing around with his tail when the expositional phone call comes through about the beast in New England. So Wonder Woman calls everyone in, which is pointless because apparently everybody has already been alerted. And I want to mention before I move on to the rest of the episode, this season begins the uh, famous star transition, which was well known for the, from the Super Friends, even though it wasn't used in the... Episodes during the All New Super Friends Hour, you'll remember that I actually did use the sound effect from the stars transition between episodes. You know, this. Exactly, you've heard that before. So, here is this uh, short, bald guy. He's the mayor of uh, random New England town, USA. And apparently he says that the beast raided the town and this village is in, like I mentioned, New England. And then the mayor says he went west toward the Great Lakes. That's hundreds of miles west of New England. How can he know for sure that this creature went toward the Great Lakes? There are hundreds of things to the west of New England. I can harp on this all day. There's no way he could possibly know where the creature went. Unless he had a really long telescope. But there it is. It's at the Great Lakes. Kicking up water and apparently uh, while they're watching the Rokan do what it does, Superman has time to explain that it's a Rokan from Krypton. And all the while it's causing a bunch of damage. Wonder Woman has an idea that they convince it to live elsewhere. Because if it continues to cause damage to the Earth, it'll destroy it. You cannot get anything past Wonder Woman, very clearly. So, she tries to rope the, the Rokan, but it breaks her lasso, so no luck there. Superman is completely ineffective against this thing, as you would think, because it's from Krypton. Look at how much bigger it is than him, so you can imagine that the strength would be proportional to the creature's size. Not everything from Krypton becomes equal in Earth's atmosphere. I would imagine strength would be to scale, and the effectiveness that Superman has against the Rokan on Earth, I would think is similar to the effectiveness he would have were they both on Krypton. So, 
Batman and Robin can't do anything either, and Superman determines uh, that the creature is stronger than him because it's also from Krypton. To steal a line from a villain that we're not going to meet for another 20 years in podcast time. Hello? Duh! Why didn't you think of that sooner? So, the Super Friends are going to go back to the Hall of Justice to uh, surf the internet for a way to beat the monster. And apparently the Rokan laid an egg on, on the ski slope, so now there's a baby Rokan. And uh, Batman and Robin find the baby Rokan, and this gives them a chance to show off the Bat Snowmobiles. I like the uh, slitted eyes on the machines. It reminds me of the uh, Batmobile I had as a kid. I believe it was based on the uh, Superpowers show, the, uh, the Superpowers uh, toy line. I believe that was from Kenner. And the Batmobile had slitted eyes for headlights. So, very cool there, seeing the uh, Bat toys kind of match the stuff that I had as a kid. Oh, by the way, as I'm waxing nostalgic about my old toys, there are now four baby Rokans to deal with, and Batman and Robin have to rescue the skiers. So, Aquaman on, an, on a water ski really annoys me. There is no reason why someone who swims as fast as Aquaman does needs to be on a water ski. I'm still getting used to Aquaman's new voice. I really like Norman Alden in the role, but it's not going to be Alden. It's going to be Bill Calloway for the rest of the way. So, he finds more Rokan eggs and the monster. And this leads to a chase and another phone call. Now, while everyone else is doing the work, the twins and Gleek are doing nothing nothing other than taking phone calls. And then here is the usual Wonder Twins screw-up as Gleek messes up the computer and it starts smoking. So, being that they need to uh, go and help, Zan becomes an ice gondola so Gleek can sit while uh, Jaina becomes some kind of bird that can carry the uh, ice gondola with the monkey sitting in it. I guess this is better than Gleek holding a bucket of water all the time. And Zan turning into a puddle so that the monkey can carry him. So Aquaman again does nothing, but he does have electric eels do the job for him. And the twins are absolutely ineffective, and they are caught by the Rokan. And again, we're going to get another uh, leap of logic with distance here. Uh, Aquaman has run into uh, the Rokan in the Great Lake, and he's pointing out that the Rokan is going to the Himalayas. How can he tell that from the Great Lakes? Hell, it's not even clear which way the Rokan went. It could have gone both directions that got to the Himalayas. (sighs) <sighs> the leaps of logic went direction, but at least they get the plot where it needs to go. And they manage to save the twins, but they can't do anything about Rokan. That's kind of the theme of this episode. Uh, the Super Friends are completely ineffective against this monster from Krypton. But Superman realizes they need Kryptonite, and they, and they find an asteroid. And there's an 83% chance, because they need so much of the Kryptonite to defeat the Rokan, there's an 83% chance that it will kill Superman even behind the lead shielding of the Hall of Justice. And Superman tells them to use it, because... That is for the greatest good, and he is willing to sacrifice himself if need be. And he has this great line about, oh hell, I'll just play it. We decide the matter the same way the Super Friends decide any matter of importance. The greatest good to the greatest number of people. Use the kryptonite. And that's exactly Superman, and Superman will do that. Superman is prepared to make that sacrifice for the good of the world, and you really can't get much more Superman than that. So meanwhile, the Rokans are attacking a bridge, and uh, Batman shines a bat signal at them to uh, distract them. So uh, the Beast throws the uh, top of a skyscraper at them, and uh, Superman and the Rokan engage in a heat vision fight. And the sound effects kind of sound like the uh, Starship Enterprise from either Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation firing torpedoes. If you listen to it, you'll hear it. They chase the baby Rokans into deep space with the kryptonite, as Superman wilts. I guess there's a limit to how much protection lead can give Superman from Kryptonite. I guess if there's a high enough concentration, it will still get through the lead no matter how much he hides behind it. And meanwhile, the large Rokan uh, just dove into a volcano, causing it to erupt. And the Super Friends drop the Kryptonite into the volcano, and the Rokan flies out and leaves the Earth. I'm not sure what the synopsis meant when it's mentioned that they only temporarily dealt with the monster. I guess it's referring to the fact that they really didn't find a home for it. They just kind of let it leave. But there's no guarantee that it's going to come back. So... As far as this episode is concerned, the Rokan is gone. I doubt we're going to hear from it again. So that was, you know, not a bad episode. And, you know, I great big Superman moment here with Superman willing to sacrifice himself. You know, sacrifice one person for the greatest good, and at least if they need to. And like I mentioned, he's willing to do that. And I like that, you know, a show which is basically for children is laying out that Superman is prepared to make that sacrifice. Good start to the new Super Friends season. Now we're going to move on to our challenge of the Super Friends episode for this segment, Wanted the Super Friends. Our synopsis is brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. Lex Luthor calls the Legion of Doom in their Hall of Doom. 
The meeting will come to order. The Legion of Doom is now in session. It is the purpose of the Legion to align our infamous forces against the powers of good and defeat them, leaving us, the rulers of the world. To do this, we have gathered together the 13 most ruthless villains on Earth, a frigid Captain Cold. The sinister mind of Sinestro. The awesome Bizarro and Solomon Grundy. The cunning Cheetah and the super-intelligent computer android Brainiac. Black Manta and Grodd the Gorilla. The Toy Man and the humorous but sinister Riddler. The feminine yet ferocious Giganta and the hideous Scarecrow. <laughs> Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself, Lex Luthor. Our first act of villainy will be of the greatest importance to us all because in a short while, any and all resistance to the Legion of Doom will crumble. My dream machine is programmed to seek out the sleeping minds of our arch enemies, the super friends, and subject them to our will. We will control their dreams, making our dreams come true. Cheetah and me take care of second phase plan. Put end to super friends for all and once. How perfectly wonderful. Now to put my foolproof scheme into action. He shows a dream machine that will cause the Super Friends to commit crimes. Superman robs Fort Knox. Batman and Robin rob the Mint in Washington, D.C., etc., etc., etc. When the Super Friends discover their crimes and turn themselves in... I realize you can easily break out of here, Super Friends, so I'm relying on your personal integrity not to. But you can't keep us here. We've got to try to find out what's happened. What's happened is simple. The Super Friends have committed crimes and must pay for them like any other common criminal. But Chief, with all of the Super Friends in jail, there'll be no one to stop the world's crime. <laughs> Batman guess right. But him not guess me bizarro with Luthor device to change voice. Now me press button fix you. It's some sort of mind control. I can't move a muscle. Green Lantern, no worry. Won't matter where all you going on one-way doomsday trip to nowhere. Perfect takeoff. They find themselves launched towards the sun in a trap by Bizarro and Cheetah. Meanwhile, the Legion of Doom uses the JLA satellite to send mutation beams changing people into Bizarro's and Cheetah's. The Super Friends escape the trap using Wonder Woman's lasso, and Batman and Robin figure out how Superman can send the signal to change people back to normal. If it weren't for some brilliant teamwork, the Legion of Doom might have ended the Super Friends in one short stroke. But instead, we put the entire Legion behind bars. That's what you think, Super Fools. I was prepared for just such an emergency. My dream machine was programmed to be ineffective against the Legion of Doom. We're already back at the Hall of Doom, planning our next sinister mission. And this time, nothing will stop us. Give it up, Luthor. You failed this time, and you'll fail every time you try to triumph over justice. And the Super Friends. My first note is it's really good to see an expanded roster. Although I could do without some of the auxiliary characters like the Apache Chief and Samurai and Black Vulcan, who... I don't know. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this throughout the course of this podcast, but if you're going to have a character that's pretty much Black Lightning, why not just use Black Lightning? I mean, as you can see, they Hanna-Barbera kind of fixed the Manta screw-up from All-New Super Friends Hour, and, and we're using a proper Black Manta this season, so... <sighs> Alright, well. I'm not going to let that get in my way of and get in the way of me enjoying these episodes, because I really did enjoy the first two episodes that I've watched so far, so... You start off in the uh, Louisiana swamp with a giant alligator with his eye just blinking. It's very spooky, very a atmospheric, and you're really getting a foreboding feeling as you find uh, the Legion of Doom headquarters in the swamp. And then there's Lex Luthor bringing the meeting to order. They're very organized. They're, they're really up on their parliamentary procedure. 
and the Robert's Rules of Order, whichever they're using and uh, to keep this meeting organized. And I love that they are self-aware enough to know that they're evil and, and they want what most evildoers want to rule the world. And if we had to look through this to, through the prism of modern storytelling, we're at the point where kind of every villain is the hero of their own story. These guys are not the heroes of their own story. They are self-aware of themselves to know that they're villains. And I love that. Like I say, sometimes a villain has just got the villain. And being this is the first episode, we, they introduce every member of the Legion of Doom, and it's really a who's who of DC Comics villains. Now, of course, Luthor is perfectly arrogant and believes his plan is foolproof, as Luthor believes every plan of his is foolproof. And his invention is not apparently fooled by Superman's secret identity, and sprays Clark as he sleepwalks into changing into Superman, and launches himself out the window. Why Clark Kent is sleeping at his Daily Planet office and not in his apartment, I don't know. I mean, when I fall asleep at work, it's never on purpose, but it looks as though Clark, you know, is purposely taking a nap at work. Maybe he's working the, a very dull night shift. So, a sleepwalking Superman grabs some guards and a fence and destroys a tank. Good guy's doing bad stuff, and we, this is like nothing we've seen so far. And Superman steals a bunch of gold from Fort Knox, like the synopsis mentioned. You know, it's a good thing that everyone happens to be sleeping. It's night at Wayne Manor. You know, you would think that uh, Batman and Robin would be out and not home in bed. But they're home in bed, and that's where the Luthor's Dream Ray finds them, and they're going to go out and commit a crime of their own. And I'm starting to think that if we're going to watch every member of the Justice League commit a theft, it's going to take all episode. So they all go rob the mint, and it's rather hilarious watching this guard wag his finger at Batman, saying, if you continue to try to rob this place, we will have to arrest you. And he's wagging his finger at Batman, but does nothing else. He makes no move to stop Batman from robbing the mint, he just wags his finger at him. So, Batman and Robin uh, make off with the money, and those are really the only two thefts that are focused on. We get a quick montage of the rest of the heroes committing their crimes rather quickly. And here is the uh, full roster, like I mentioned. It also includes Flash and Green Lantern. And Hawkman is shown in this episode. I don't believe anybody else is. And the Justice League, you know, they're pretty spooked to find that they've all drummed about themselves stealing stuff. And Superman, Batman, Robin, thank goodness you're here. We came as soon as we got word of the emergency session. What's the situation? It may not seem like much, but it started with an incredible dream I had last night. No more strange, I'm sure, than the one I had. I dreamt I robbed Fort Knox. That's interesting. I dreamt Robin and I looted the U.S. Mint. Holy coincidences, Batman. I had the same dream. It seems we all had criminal dreams last night. But when we arrived at the Hall of Justice this morning, we discovered something that turned our dreams into nightmares. Looks like none of us did too much sleeping last night after all. Super friends. Calls have been coming in from all over the globe accusing you of stealing the world's greatest treasures. I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to turn yourselves in to police headquarters. We'd better do as he says. If we don't, we'll be guilty in the eyes of the entire world. Until we figure out what's going on, we have no choice. Let's go. They learned they actually did steal the stuff that they uh, dreamt they stole. Because they all happened to bring it back to the Hall of Justice. They didn't uh, take it home. They just took the stuff to work. So Superman's idea is to turn themselves in. That's very uh, Superman thing to do. To turn himself in so not to look guilty because the police are looking for them. He says if they don't, they'll look even more guilty, even though some of the other super friends are a little more eager to clear their own names. And there's a cop on the screen that's calling them. He looks eerily like Colonel Wilcox from season one, but I was waiting for somebody to call him Colonel Wilcox, but they do not. So the entire roster of the super friends is in jail. Then we find out that these two cops are... Pizarro and Cheetah in disguise, and like I said, they've got a large cage big enough to hold them all. Now, Batman realized the problem of all the uh, super friends being in jail, that there's no one to protect the world from crime. Pizarro and Cheetah are rather amused by this, and their muscles are frozen by this yellow ray that Pizarro turns on, and while they can't move, while they can't move, Pizarro shoots them into the sun. Which, as one does, to his enemies. I'm going to continue to love the name of the Legion's headquarters, the Hall of Doom. It's the perfect opposite to the Hall of Justice. And this animated Luthor is over the top, chewing a ton of scenery as they announce they're going to take over the Hall of Justice. So, we're going to see that the Legion has mounted some kind of satellite dish on the Hall of Justice roof, and they use the Justice League satellite to turn everyone into bizarros and cheetahs. Men become bizarros, and women become cheetahs. It's kind of strange if things went in the other direction. And obviously, the uh, the ray that is keeping the superhero... The super friends from moving any muscles is yellow, so 
Green Lantern's ring cannot act upon it in any way. Superman comes through and sees the meteor, but and he wants to plot a collision course to free them. But since he can't move, Wonder Woman uses telepathy to influence the lasso and bring the meteor toward them. And it's always interesting seeing uh, Wonder Woman uh, control the uh, lasso with her mind. It looks like a yellow snake just kind of coming off of her hip. And after the cage is destroyed, nobody bats an eye that Batman, Robin, and the Flash can breathe in space with no uh, protection. And the meteor destroys the yellow ray, and Batman and Robin, along with Superman, return to the Hall of Justice. And we get a really funny animation of Superman, Batman, and Robin running to the Hall of Justice as if they're doing a jogging video. I'm not sure why Superman is running and not flying, and I'm not sure why Batman and Robin can always keep up with clearly faster flying superheroes, but that's a question for another day. But they find Bizarro's and Cheetahs, and Superman stops a Sweeper from attacking him. There's lots of fighting here, as Wonder Woman is fighting Cheetah, and she quickly ropes her. Batman and Robin are trying to stop Bizarro, but they wind up trapped in a steel pipe. But Batman quickly gets out. Now they gas Bizarro, and, and Luthor shows up in time for Superman to take them away. Now, the Super Friends think they have the Legion behind bars, but they don't. And Superman announces that the Super Friends will be there to stop them. We're going to see something similar at the end of the second episode in this uh, two weeks that I'm covering. So that was really a great start. Great to see the real villains, and I'm just stoked for this upcoming season. In case you can't tell by the uh, change of my voice from uh, last week's episode. So, I'm going to take another break. I'm going to play a podcast promo. Then I'm going to come back with The Demons of Exor. And that's the uh, new Super Friends episode. And the new challenge of the Super Friends episode, Invasion of the Furians. Hang around, folks. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian. Every adventure. (sighs) Okay. That's so slow. Every hero. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down. Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, we'll make those choices ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues. Their strength in numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. Alright, welcome back folks. All the episodes in this segment have an original broadcast date of September 16th, 1978. And we're going to start with the new Super Friends episode, The Demons of Exor. And both of our synopses in this segment brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. Lord Darkon uses a weapon that manifests someone's nightmare into a monster to take over the planet Exor in the distant galaxy of Nova 12. With the other Super Friends busy, the Wonder Twins respond to the SOS from their home planet. This is Justice League Computer, picking up faint distress transmissions from Galaxy Nova 12, planet Exor. Exor? Jumping comet trails! That's our home! Quick, we've got to use the computer signal booster! Zan! Jenna! We're in terrible trouble! Lord Darkon and his evil forces are taking over the galaxy! Exor is our last stronghold of freedom! You must help us! Jupiters! I'd better call the Super Friends! Looks like Superman's got his hands full! And so do Wonder Woman and Aquaman! The Super Friends are all busy with jobs of their own. Then you'll have to test out the skills of justice you were sent to learn from the Super Friends. He's right, Zan. The Wonder Twins will have to do this super job alone. The matter transporter is ready. Stand by. But end up captured after failing to defeat a monster based on Exorian mythology. The Super Friends responded to learning of the emergency, but are defeated by a monster based on mythology of Wonder Woman's Paradise Island. It is I who have found you, Earth beings. You are trespassing in this galaxy. It is ruled by me. If you don't leave immediately, I shall be forced to punish your young Exorian friends. The Wonder Twins. Precisely. And if that's not enough to convince you, I will destroy the entire planet of Exor. Like this. 
Great Scott! The energy ray totally destroyed that distant asteroid. You win, Lord Darkon. We have no choice but to leave. Excellent. We'll have no more trouble from those meddling fools. Lord Darkon is even more powerful than the Super Friends. Through Super Friends, we group on another planet and strike back again. Gleek, Batman, and Robin manage to free the Wonder Twins, while the other heroes rescue imprisoned Exorians, while Darkon uses the beam and escaping, Superman captures him. Thank you for stopping Lord Darkon, Super Friends. Glad to be of service, Paul. Right. Feel free to call the Wonder Twins anytime there's an emergency. Don't hesitate to... <laughs> nice going, Gleek. I didn't think anything could stop Supermouth. Again, this episode starts in space as well. This is uh, Exor, Zan and Jaina's home planet, which they will uh, remind you of later. But you can tell that this is Zan and Jaina's home planet because they're all pretty much dressed like Zan and Jaina, with the exception of uh, chest emblems. Zan and Jaina both have stylized Zs and Js, uh, respectively, on their chests in uh, dark purple, with a yellow background, not dissimilar from Superman's design. So... Basically what's happening is there's a large blue monster with four arms is apparently out of the planet's mythology, and it is destroying the planet. So, unable to do anything about this themselves, the Exorians call the Wonder Twins. And, uh, something is going on at the Hall of Justice, and Zan and Jaina are congratulating themselves on a job well done. While that's happening, Gleek loses a fight with a plant. So, there's that. When the uh, computer announces that there is a distress signal from Exor... Like I mentioned, the Wonder Twins will tell us that it's their home. As if the clothing the Exorians are wearing was any... Didn't give us enough of a clue to where they came from. And apparently the uh, Super Friends are so busy that Zan and Jaina are the last hope for Exor. And to be totally honest, I feel bad for the planet already. Oh, and by the way, the narrator seems different in this particular episode. It doesn't sound like uh, William Woodson. I don't know who it is, but it just doesn't sound like him. So the first thing I'm wondering is, as the uh, Wonder Twins uh, use their powers to uh, do what needs to be done, I wonder if other Exorians have these abilities, and if there's nothing wrong with Exor, why did Zan and Jaina leave their home world in the first place? Questions, questions, I got questions, people. TV show has no answers, though, at least not this episode. So anyway, uh, Zan turns into a, into an ice giant, and the monster melts him. I don't remember what Jaina turned into, but it was something ineffective. Then the monster inexplicably disappears, and Zan and Jaina and Gleek are taken aboard a spaceship by a transporter ray. And this guy in the mask is Lord Darkon. He basically throws them in the brig and brags about how easily Exor is going to fall, since there's no one there to defend it. Welcome! I am Lord Darkon, and you must be the famed secret weapon of the Exorian High Command. <laughs> if you're the best defense the Exorians have, I'll be in control of Exor in a matter of hours. Take these two to the electronic detention brig and keep them separated. I don't want to be bothered by their Exorian powers. Again, why do Zan and Jaina rate superpowers and the rest of the planet does not? You'd have to think the rest, some, there's at least somebody on this planet who would be a little more competent with them than they are. So, the Super Friends uh, return to uh, the Hall of Justice and find that the Wonder Twins are gone. And it's a good thing that the uh, Justice League uh, has a security system at the Hall of Justice. They can kind of just play back the videotape and see what happened. Kind of reminds me of that scene in uh, Spaceballs where Rick Moranis and uh, his henchmen there are trying to figure out what is now and what is past. And, uh, and they don't know what to do, so they're watching the movie to find out. Except instead of watching the future or the present, they're watching the past. Literally, it looks like the animation of the episode was just put right on the uh, computer screen. So, the Super Friends are traveling to Exor. And, of course, uh, not wanting to uh, share a ride with anybody, Batman has his own spaceship. Superman flies under his own power, and I can only assume that Aquaman has hitched a ride with Wonder Woman. So, there's uh, no mistake in anything here. Uh, Darkon is an evil villain. And uh, the Super Friends arrive on Exor. Superman digs a trench behind some soldiers, and Batman and Robin take care of the troops with a glue gun, of all things. And so apparently these troops have absolutely nothing for the Super Friends. And now the ship is uh, zapping Wonder Woman, and apparently she's afraid of a bearded octopus, as it's from some kind of uh, Amazonian myth. Fortunately, uh, Aquaman knew what it was, and Superman uh, 
is going to continue his run of ineffectiveness and can't do anything against it, and it kind of grabs them all with uh, crab legs. Superman attacked it, and he went right through the uh, giant beast or whatever the hell this thing is. But apparently it can grab things when it wants to, but it can go immaterial when it's attacked. Which is why Superman went through it, but the uh, claws are solid enough to hold the super friends. So apparently, when he, even when he is still being clawed by a giant crab octopus thing, Batman can still reach his belt and jam the ship's transmissions. And this is when Darkon comes out with his threat. He threatens the Super Friends that if the uh, Super Friends don't leave, the Wonder Twins, he'll kill the Wonder Twins, I guess. And uh, if that doesn't work, he's going to destroy the planet and blows up an asteroid just so he can show what a big man he is. There's no better way to uh, tell the heroes that you're serious than by blowing up an asteroid. So, Batman surrenders. I bet you never thought you'd hear that on my podcast. So, what happens is, he doesn't actually surrender to Darkon. He, he just agrees that the Super Friends will leave and exor and not protect it anymore. So, some time goes by. Well, at least I think some time goes by. Maybe a day or two. Exor is looking all kinds of demolished here as the invasion ramps up with the Super Friends' departure. But, fortunately for Exor, the Super Friends didn't go far. They went to a nearby asteroid and uh, so they could come up with a better plan. So, Batman and Robin try to sneak onto the ship. But also, uh, Gleek is free on the ship, so... That's going to come in uh, handy. So the door Batman and Robin can't get through opens without any logical explanation. And Batman and Robin don't think to question it. They were having trouble getting into this door the whole time for a minute while they're on the side of the ship. But the door opens, they just march right onto the ship. And they are caught. But this time they uh, defeat Darkon's foot soldiers with ease. Aquaman still can't do much fighting, but he can send fish at the soldiers. So he does that to rescue the prisoners. And just when things were getting hopeless because... Uh, Batman and Robin kind of ran into some kind of electrical bubble that keeps them from running any further into the ship. Gleek showing up usually means that things are about to get worse, but he helps Batman and Robin and the twins escape from some lighted cages. So, Superman saves the day by reflecting the energy break back at the ship, and he pretty much damages the ship, and Darkon is forced to retreat and ends up arrested. We get our ending, and Dan talks about how easy it was to save everybody. It was especially easy when Zan didn't actually do anything. And I like how Gleek reacts by shutting Zan up with his tail as the episode ends. This was actually not a bad episode for Gleek, and I really love that Superman moment of uh, Superman letting the, the uh, beam from the ray bounce off his chest to uh, take out the ship. But, you know, Zan can get tiresome. You know, Jaina definitely seems like the more competent of the Wonder Twins. We saw that also during Season 1 with uh, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog, where the girl seemed to be the brains and the boy was just the idiot. And then there was the faithful animal sidekick which causes nothing but trouble, usually. So, not a bad episode. I enjoyed watching the Super Friends fight a villain that they have difficulty with. Again, we've seen several times already that the uh, Super Friends are on the cusp of getting beaten a few times in these episodes, and I like that they have to rally back and overcome the villain. When, with more of a challenge, comes more of a reward. With that being said, let's seg right over onto the Challenge of the Super Friends episode, Invasion of the Furians. And our synopsis is as follows. The Furians from Venus offer to stop the Super Friends and allow the Legion of Doom to rule Earth if Earth's climate is changed to become like Venus. Silence, Grodd, or you'll find out just how evil this Legion can be. One of us has devised a new and deadly scheme that will satisfy even you, Ape Man, Captain Cold. I've recently been in contact with the Furians, an advanced civilization of beings from the planet Venus. I've convinced them to work with the Legion of Doom to help solve both of our problems. Brace yourselves, everyone, and watch this. Earthmen, listen carefully. We need your help to change the environment of your planet, making it more suitable to our life form. Your atmosphere must be hotter and wetter, and there must be more vegetation like our planet, Venus. This will enable us to invade Earth and colonize it. Your Legion of Doom will then be given full control over all Earth beings. Excellent plan, Cold, except for one small problem, the Super Friends. Captain Cold has told us of the Super Friends. Once you have handled your end of the bargain, we will take care of them with ease. Do not fail us! 
We won't fail, because the super friends will be assisting us in our plan. And because Sinistro and myself will be ready with phase two and three of the plan. I couldn't have expressed it better, Black Manta. Our devastating little scheme will begin with my freeze ray. With this giant freeze ray, I'll start the world's next ice age. The Legion tricks the Flash, Aquaman, and Green Lantern into causing a steamy atmosphere, flooding areas of land, and moving the planet. The Furians trap the Super Friends in a force field, but Green Lantern tricks the Furians by making the heroes invisible, thus appearing to have escaped. And then the Super Friends continue to win from there. So this episode is good, not as good as the first one, but it is definitely uh, worthy of uh, this series. And I guess I am the arbiter of these things. So I love the spooky swamp, and <laughs> I'm enjoying this meeting where... I'm with Gorilla Grodd, I'd be bored too, but Luthor basically shuts him up and tells uh, Grodd that if he doesn't be quiet, he'll show him how evil the Legion really is, which is kind of interesting, and there are some cracks in the Legion of Doom here, and they tend to uh, bicker and argue with each other, kind of the staple of villains of cartoons of this time. So Captain Cold apparently uh, negotiated with beings from Venus to get rid of the Super Friends. How somebody whose main gimmick is a freeze gun can negotiate with people from Venus, I will never know, but he does. Just leave it at that. And the Furians need the uh, Legion to make the Earth more like Venus. I'm not sure how this helps the Legion. I mean, I know they promise control over the Earth, but I'm not sure how well the Legion of Doom will survive in a Venus-like climate. That doesn't seem to be addressed, at least in the uh, initial part of the episode. So Captain Cole starts freezing uh, Washington, D.C. with his flying freeze ray. Then San Francisco, and we're treated to a nice shot of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge frozen solid. And another one of the Statue of Liberty uh, when it shows that New York City is frozen. Superman points out that this is impossible when he hears about it, but Flash says it's not, and he suspects Captain Cold. San Francisco is frozen solid. And so is New York, but that's impossible. No, it isn't, Superman. And if I turn up the satellite magnifier, I think you'll see why. Just as I suspected, it's my archenemy, Captain Cold, with another of his icy gadgets. It shouldn't be too hard to defrost his plans. Batman makes no mention of Mr. Freeze, who is around, was used on the 1966 TV series, and probably has his rights tied up with Filmation over on NBC. Imagine if Batman said that on the show. I can't think of anybody, uh... His rights are tied up somewhere else. Kind of reminds me of what happened in The Hobbit when somebody was asking Gandalf about other wizards. He couldn't remember the names of the blue wizards, Alatar and Palando. He says he couldn't, uh recall their names when in actuality he couldn't say their names in the film because New Line didn't have the rights to the stories in which they were mentioned. The unfinished tales of Lord of the Rings. Same thing here. We can't mention Mr. Freeze because the Hanna-Barbera cartoon does not have the rights to him. So Flash is a little overconfident here as Captain Cold freezes him and uh, as soon as he arrives basically after he's done blustering. And then he uh, knocks down a skyscraper and it ta- Flash takes a cable from the Brooklyn Bridge to uh, to save it. Captain Cold gets away, and Flash saves the frozen cities with his speed, and he puts a hell of a lot of steam in the atmosphere, and, uh, I guess at this point, this is what Cold meant by the Super Friends helping. So, for the uh, next, uh, feat, Black Amanta has set the Pacific Ocean on fire. Aquaman uses his telepathy to get the sea creatures to put the ocean out with a tidal wave, and his wave headed toward the coast that eventually caused some massive flooding. So, again, Aquaman has helped the Legion of Doom uh, change the, uh, climate of the Earth a little bit. Then Green Lantern went to stop some meteors that were threatening Earth, but since they are yellow, his ring doesn't work on them, and he's sent out of the physical universe, at least until he figures out a way to get himself back. Now, since he can't work on the meteors with his power ring, he has to move the Earth. Very easy. He does it. He moves the planet so the comets don't hit. But apparently, that's okay with Sinestro. So, again, Flash, Aquaman, and Green Lantern have all unwittingly helped the Legion of Doom. Not unlike the first episode where the Legion of Doom had the Super Friends commit crimes, now they're having the Super Friends inadvertently screw up the Earth's atmosphere. So, so far, the Legion of Doom is posing not only a, not much of a physical threat to the Super Friends, but they are getting them to cause some trouble, unwittingly. Now, Wonder Woman has pointed out that their efforts have damaged the Earth between the steam and the wild vegetation. And the computer says, because the Super Friends rely on this computer for everything, as soon as they're stumped, they punch a few things into this computer and it tells them what to do next. You would think the, uh, Earth, the Earth's greatest superheroes would have uh, would be able to think on their feet a little bit more. 
And I must say, from watch, looking at this image of the Hall of Justice, that hit that vegetation grew mighty fast. So, the Furians appear to the Super Friends, telling them of their agreement with the Legion of Doom. This problem with the Earth's atmosphere is getting out of hand. We've got to figure out once and for all where the Legion of Doom is hiding and find out what they're up to. I can answer your questions, Super Earth beings. Your so-called Legion of Doom offered to change the atmosphere so we could make your Earth a Therian colony. In return, they asked only that we allow them to rule all Earthlings and that we put an end to you, the Super Friends. I'm afraid the Legion of Doom didn't tell you just how tough that's going to be. Our force field is quite remarkable, Superman. Nothing can penetrate it, which is why we're giving it to you as a gift. Basically, what the Furians do is they imprison the Super Friends inside of an impregnable force field. Basically, a bubble. Which leads to Luthor presiding over the Legion and of Doom at the Capitol building in Washington. Congratulations, my fellow villains. We've finally succeeded. The Super Friends are as good as gone. And with the help of my android copies of the presidents and generals of the world's largest countries, we'll soon be ruling the world. And Brainiac is uh, apparently making an android copies of the world leaders who will, and the Legion will rule through them, so that the people don't actually know they're being ruled by the Legion of Doom. They'll think they're being ruled by their normal leaders, I guess. And now, the Super Friends need a way to get out of the impregnable force field. And we get some quick thinking on the part of Green Lantern. This is not something I would have thought of. He uses his ring to make the Super Friends invisible. I didn't even know a Green Lantern ring could do that. But I guess when you're limited only by your own willpower, you can do pretty much whatever you want. So the Green Lantern uses his ring to make them invisible, and the Justice the Computer sends the Furious message, saying, It found a flaw in their force field. And when the Furians arrive, since they don't see the Super Friends, they shut the force field down, and the Super Friends reappear outside the force field. Now... Black Vulcan will reflect the Furious power, and that takes out their own their force field, and Green Lantern just kind of sends them on their way. And that leaves the Super Friends with minutes to reverse the problems created at the beginning. Nice work, Green Lantern. You saved the Earth just in time. The Earth isn't saved yet. According to the computer, our efforts to stop the Legion of Doom have greatly affected the world's environment. Wonder Woman's right. The ice I melted evaporated into a dense layer of steam blanketing the Earth. It's raising the Earth's humidity to a dangerous level. And because of Aquaman's tidal wave, the land surfaces are damper, causing an increase in wild vegetation. And that's not all. Green Lantern moved the Earth a few degrees off its normal orbit, making the temperature rise still higher. All of these combined factors are causing a chain reaction that's making the problem multiply. It's as if we've been responsible for what's happening. We've obviously been tricked by some sort of diabolical plan of the Legion of Doom. But why? Perhaps the Justice League computer has the answer. Green Lantern fixes the orbit, Flash fixes the weather, and Samurai fixes the flooding. Apparently Aquaman cannot, hand, cannot fix his own problems. So now there's an actual fight with powers going on in the capital as the Super Friends are engaging their enemies uh, on a physical level. And of course there are some fake monsters mixed in there too. Wonder Woman ties Sinestro to his construct and Flash takes care of Captain Cold by pushing him in front of his own weapon. Luthor gets away by flying the Legion away in the Capitol Dome, and Superman swears as long as there are super friends, Luthor will be caught. All we really need is Superman shaking his fist at the sky. And I'm kind of guessing there will be a similar speech every time the Legion gets away. I wonder if they'll actually catch the Legion in the last episode of the season. We will have to wait and find out. Not as good as the first Legion episode, but I really enjoyed this one too, and enjoyed how the super friends were tricked into helping uh, change the world's climate. I thought the end, the Furians were dealt with rather easily as the episode seemed to take too much time setting things up and didn't uh, have enough time to really stick the ending. After everything that happened, it seems as though the Super Friends were able to wrap this up really quickly when they needed to. And at any time they have minutes to save the world, it kind of seems uh, weird that what took hours to set up needs minutes to resolve. So I guess that's where the drama comes from. So... Next time, I will cover the uh, next two New Super Friends episodes and the next two Challenge of the Super Friends episodes. New Super Friends episodes include Battles at Earth's Core and Sinbad and the Space Pirates. Challenge episodes will include 
the world's deadliest game and the time trap in the meantime if you would like to send an email to the show feedback is always welcome you can send that to manofscreen at gmail.com if you want to join the conversation over at the facebook group just put man of screen podcast into your search feed and the show should come up you can also find the show on twitter at man of screencast i want you to leave the show a review over on uh, apple itunes that'll help other people find the show so until next time folks have a good one take care bye The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the two true freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast. <laughs>